Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep Podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. If you haven't already heard the good news, allow me to reiterate here for you now that The Keep is going to be at Realms Deep 2020. If you don't know what that is yet, I feel sorry for you, but it is a digital event hosted by 3D Realms, and a bunch of other awesome people are going to be there. We've got world premieres, special guests, we've got a charity drive for Child's Play. This is going to be Saturday September 5th and 6th from 11 a.m. Pacific Time to 4 p.m. Pacific Time. And it's going to be streamed live on 3D Realms' official Twitch channel. So you definitely should check it out. And now I will tell you a whole bunch of details just to sell you on it even more. New Blood's going to be there. Running with Scissors is going to be there. Uh, Destructive Creations, Slipgate Ironworks, Night Dive Studios, Apogee Software, 1C Entertainment... We are going to be premiering our interviews, short versions of our interviews with uh, Cliffy B, American McGee, John St. John, John Romero, Chuck Jones, and Tim Willits. We are going to be releasing those in full, both here on the podcast, on our YouTube channel, and on 3D Realms YouTube channel. We've got 20 or more, I'm not even sure, I've lost count, but like a shitload of Games that are going to be showing off their stuff at the convention. So, like, not just world premieres from the companies I've already named, but we've got a whole bunch of indies that, you know, some of them are alumni of the podcast. Some of them are people that I will probably have on the podcast shortly hereafter. It's going to be fucking fantastic. And Realms Deep 2020, big baller move right here, guys. Big baller move on part of Fred Schreiber is sponsored by Monster Energy. That's right, Boomer Juice at BoomerCon. It can't get much fucking better than that. So definitely make sure you're already subscribed to 3D Realms Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv forward slash 3D Realms. Follow them there. Definitely be there September 5th and 6th. And if you can't be there for some reason, like you've got a real job that keeps you working on the weekends and all that kind of shit, we understand you can watch the full thing right afterwards on their YouTube channel, and obviously catch the interviews here on the podcast. So thank you guys so much for hearing me out. I really hope to see you there. This is like the coolest thing ever. So that's enough of that. Let's get into this week's episode. We've got Denzoa on the show. If you're not familiar with Denzoa, he is one of the just greatest names ever to set foot into the Doom Tomb competitive scene. He's been playing for like 15 years. He is incredible. I had a great time hanging out with him. And I hope you enjoy this interview because we get into a whole lot of stuff, man. He's he's just got a great mind for competition, for training, for everything. I, I had a fantastic time just getting to know this guy. And I hope that you, uh, you know, find something in here that motivates you in your life to uh, accomplish things, whatever it is, whatever it is you set out to do in your life. This guy uh, is definitely a voice you need to hear, very motivational and just a beautiful human being. So 
let's get into it. After this music, you'll be in the keep with Denzel. Back then, I was still called Doomza, which is my oldest name. I was around 10 years old, I think, when I first found Online Doom. I was looking up some wads on sendcoffee.com. And I mean, it just mentioned deathmatch. And I was like Googling up about what a deathmatch actually was. And all of a sudden, I saw Skull Tag, Z Damon. And I actually downloaded Z Damon for the first time. And I think I played my first map ever online in a co-op game on tnt and it kind of just kicked off from there around 2006 or 7 is the first time i started actually playing deathmatch with real people instead of bots and yeah basically just uh, that's where my career kind of be- began in um in doom it's been a long time <laughs> Yeah, interesting kind of background here. Why why is it that you live in Belgium again? I was born here, actually. Okay. You, just, you, your accent is so perfect. Yeah, I get that a lot. It's just that I've been hanging out with American friends for so long that I kind of just picked up on it. Like when I was a kid, I used to always look up the people who sounded American. I thought it was like an awesome accent like it sounded so cool to me like when i was a kid and growing up i just did my best and tried my hardest to just speak as fluent as possible and it kind of paid off over the years because i think well when people started telling me like wow your english is really really good was around 2014 2015 i think so I think I've been speaking English ever since I was two years old because I started learning from watching TV and stuff. And my parents used to like let me watch English um, cartoons and all that. So you basically pick up on the language that way. Mm-hmm. And just growing up playing Doom, I mean, it was basically I had to learn the language because people used to talk English online. I had to follow tutorials tutorial sorry to install the game and everything so like it was basically a must at that point and yeah over the years just hanging out with people i decided it was time to just work on my accent because to me i sounded kind of weird i didn't like the way my own voice sounded when i heard myself in like uh recordings when like people used to do back in the day uh we used to record playing our death matches with our voices on top of it because it was really funny to watch it back Mm -hmm. and it was good memories and just hearing myself i was always like man i sound so european (laughs) and i just didn't like it and over the years i just worked on it and it took me a while but I kind of learned how to speak English more fluently. And usually when I speak English with people, they always end up asking me like, hey, why do you live in Belgium? Not why do you sound like that? Which is cool to me because they actually think I'm American that moved to a European country, which is actually not the case. So that means I kind of did something right. That's what I thought this entire time. (laughs) Yeah, that kind of gives me satisfaction, you know. I figured like, oh, his dad was probably in the military. 
God, <laughs> fuck this shit. Move to a nice place. Man, I, I don't really know much about Belgium. I, I, I like that movie in Bruges, even though it kind of depicts it in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys, honestly, you speak Belgium... French? Or... I speak I speak Dutch because I'm from the Dutch part of Belgium. Okay, but uh, there are French parts in Belgium as well. Like it's mostly Dutch and French. We also have a small part where people speak German, and I'm actually half German myself because my father uh, was born in Germany, and he came to Belgium when he was around nine years old because as uh, his father kind of died from cancer back at that time. God rest his soul. Uh, yeah it was kind of sad like his dad was actually in the mil- military he was um he was a he was a veteran he fought in world war ii when he was a rebel as a kid he was only 17 years old then he grew up and he also went to fight a war in korea as a rebel like against the the nazis yeah he was uh, wow. only 17 years old and yeah he he would be he would be around i don't know 80 90 years old right now i don't know that is amazing. That conversation could have went south real quick, but it totally yeah. went the right way. That's amazing, dude. You come from good stock. Yeah, it really makes me proud, like, knowing my background. Just knowing that my grandfather was, like, a great man, you know, like, it makes me proud. My dad was also in the military. I sadly never have been, but... uh yeah, times have changed basically. Like, there's not much need for military people in Belgium anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't kind of see the point of going there and just basically sitting around 24 hours. Well, not 24 hours, but like eight hours a day doing nothing. Because that's basically what's going on lately. Like, I heard that from several people who are in the military. They don't do much. And that's, it's not, it's kind of not the way I want to like, spend my time i want to actually have something to do some action in my life you know yeah i don't know man i i don't want to get too deep into my own personal history but like you know it, it is what it is you make your own choices and then you live with them but I think yeah exactly i i think you're making a pretty good one <laughs> if you're happy so yeah and but you seem to have taken that all out in Doom because you've killed like everybody in the whole. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the reason why I got into military shooters and all that. It's because, yeah, I mean, my background and just I knew a lot of stuff about like goes on in that life and all. And I just, yeah, you kind of pick up on it and then you like play some games. And first thing that came up in me is like FPS. That was just my main thing when I was a kid. You grow up admiring people who are in the military and you never end up going to the military, but you do end up like playing military games, you know, like Call of Duty and stuff and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. It's not the same thing, but, you know, it it's like an interest that you have and you put a lot of time in it. For example, Doom, I've been playing Doom for the past 15 years, I think, since 2005. And man, I've been addicted ever since. I still love this game. I've never gotten sick of it. I don't know what it is, but there's no other game that can like that can replace Doom for me, you know. Yeah, last night I was uh I was playing through all of Doom sixty four just to like knock it out again before I record a podcast about it, which I don't know if it will be before or after this one, but it doesn't really matter. And 
like I played all the way through it, and then I I was done. And I was like, well, let's knock out some other games. I was hanging out with uh, AF Domains because he like oftentimes will just like be working and then have my stream up in the background watching and hanging out. And then I like played a few other games, and then I'm like, well, I've got time for probably something else. And I was like, he's like, you want to play some Doom mods? And I was just like, no, no more Doom. But then within <laughs> like ten minutes, I was playing another Doom mod. So yeah, Doom is pretty addicting. I gotta it's just admit. Perfect. It's a perfect game. Yeah, it's sad that they never really remade the game as it is now with just an updated engine. I always I always dreamt of that, just like a remake, like Rise of the Triad got. Mm-hmm. But with Doom, that would be so awesome because Deathmatch would be so great on that, I think. I think Proteus is a really good candidate <laughs> from the look of it. I don't think we're going to get a, an actual Doom title, you know, uh because Bethesda has gone the direction they have with the AAA stuff, but yeah, I really, I really think that Proteus is a good prospect. I don't know what their multiplayer plans are, and I definitely think that Brutal Fate, because it's actually built on the GZ Doom engine, will be an excellent, you know, uh, kind of foray into that. What, what you're talking about? Because I know that Sergeant Mark does plan to at least make it Zandronum compatible for multiplayer. Oh yeah. So that'll well, be interesting. Sergeant Mark has been making a lot of I gotta admit. Brutal Doom, I used to like back when it just came out, I used to try and give some um some suggestions for the mod and I mean back then it was just Doom with more Gibbs. Mm. And eventually it became Doom with um those like glory type kills. I don't know. I call them fatalities. I think in uh, brutal doom, and like it just started being able to drive like cars in the game or set stuff on fire, shoot heads off like an enemy, like kill them with a glory kill with the berserk and all that. It was really good. I like what they did with it. I think that uh, I mean it's it's weird because you say remake it, you know, as it was, but. There's obvious things that have to be changed. Like we, they're not going to go for the no y-axis aiming. That's that's not going to fly in the future. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, I like Doom as it is, especially yeah. Duel. But you know, old school Duel, old school Doom. I mean, someday we are going to have to step away from that. I mean, you can still have old school Duels and stuff, but you know, like in CTF you have like x and y axis aiming mm-hmm. and jumping and all that i kind of like that and i would like to see some dual maps like centered around that you have that with pro, like pro dual but i mean not a lot of people play that stuff cuz it's it's basically like quake in doom but with the doom weapons and an added lightning gun and railgun on top yeah but Honestly, I think Doom has a really good arsenal too because the chain gun, the super shotgun, the regular shotgun, rockets, you have the BFG. I like that kind of like style of play. And, you know, mixing elements from Quake with Doom, like having a BFG, the SSG as powerful as it is, but then having another gun that could cancel it out at mid-range, like the lightning gun, for example. Mm -hmm. And armor and stuff, like that would be, it would be really cool. And I've played it before in the form of Pro Duel that I mentioned earlier. And it's actually, it's really fun. It's really good. 
it's just too bad that not a lot of people are interested in that because when they want to play a game mode like that, they usually go to Quake. So yeah. What whatever we end up with, I don't think it'll be called Doom, but I think we mm. can kind of recreate the right aspects with yeah. the quality of life improvements that people are going to expect. It could happen. It should and probably will happen. It's just a matter of like getting the right person motivated to do. Yeah, something. exactly. Um, but I mean, I'm really interested in your perspective on this kind of shit because as it stands, you are the number one dueler in Doom Two in the world. Um, you know, I'm sure there will be some backlash for me saying that, but the truth is that you beat everybody, um, and did not lose. I think you lost what one match at Take the Crown, the dual tournament. Yeah, I think I lost one round or two rounds total. But I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say that I'm the best Doom Two dueler alive right now, but. I mean, I do perform a lot better than most people under pressure because usually when people get pressured in a game, they kind of start screwing up. And when I get pressured, I just try to turn that pressure around. You know, I don't care how it happens. There's always a way, especially in Doom. You just got to wait for that right moment. If the guy spawns in front of you one time and you get a spawn frag, then you got him because the next spawn, like... You can, you can sort of anticipate where he's going to spawn. Like, for example, in the map, SSL2 is one of my best maps. Once I start spawns fragging people there, I mean, it can go to like an 11 frag spree sometimes. And even if I'm behind like eight frags, I can still come out on top with a five frag lead in the end. I've done it many times before. And, you know, it, it's... I mean, I don't want to call other people worse than me but the day when take the crown took place i was basically at my best and if i'm being honest if i was always the way i was that day i don't think many people would be able to challenge me but there's certainly some people who would be able to for example win regardless of what happens you know if they get better spawns if they have a better mindset at that point for example ghost killer he's a really good player but his mind that day he got easily broken because he lost to animal if i recall correctly and he really didn't want to lose that day he just wanted to win 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 and when he got that first loss it kind of broke his spirit you know because that same day i was practicing with him in duel and i was losing all my matches against him so i was really surprised to see him lose come game time you know and then i kind of kind of took advantage of the fact that I was pressuring people a lot because I was playing really aggressive that day. I just decided there's only one way I can go and I'm not going to take it slow and give people chances. I'm just going to rush in. I'm just going to kill them as soon as I can. I'm going to hit all my shots. I've been, I was practicing my aim like a couple hours before that. I was practicing spawn kills because, you know, what a lot of people don't do is they, like, I go into a map and I shoot empty spawns because, you know, in Doom, or like old school duel, you can only shoot on the horizontal axis. So I was basically just practicing my muscle memory that day, shooting from like empty spawn to empty spawn on the maps that I was supposed to play that that evening. 
And it kind of paid off because my spawn frags were on point. My my kills were on point because my aim was really on point that day too. I was super focused. And I was really happy to win too because <laughs> it was kind of funny. My girlfriend was like, it was her birthday that day. Mm -hmm. I and uh, I sort of like, I told her like, hey, I mean, I signed up for this. I do want to commit to this because I did win the qualifier the first time around. So I do want to commit to this and I want to try to win it. And she basically like jokingly said like, well, okay, I'll be mad, but you better win or I'm going to be even more mad. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, I kept that in my mind all the time. And I was I basically that day, I was kind of like playing to kind of make my girlfriend proud. I wanted to buy her a good gift for her birthday and everything. And in the end, it all paid off. It was it was really fun games. We had like really, really close matches too at the end versus Langrenus there. And it could have gone either way in the end because Langrenus is, is one hell of a fragger. And I mean, he kind of gave in to the pressure, I think, because he could have he could have totally just come back and like defeated me easily. I think he was he was really good too. He was a really really good player. He was especially on point that day too. He was super like he was all in the game. He really wanted to win as well. And basically once you get to the finals like the grand finals, I mean, it's anybody's match. It's the same in Quake. In Quake, a guy, for example, Rafa can destroy somebody like completely and make it look like the other guy is a really bad player. But it could also go the other way around. It's just the way you control the map, the way you control like the spawns, the weapons, the areas you, you camp at. And I mean, Doom doesn't have many pickups that respawn, but there is map control. Because, for example, if the guy wants to get the BFG and like, like at the final match, if I recall correctly, Pyrrhic, I was getting killed at the BFG every single time because Langrenus was just controlling that part of the map so much i was trying to get the bfg so i could get a lead on him and he was just denying me that every single time yeah langrenus specifically he just has like i don't know some kind of magic sauce about the bfg like you're not getting that if you're fighting against him usually yeah exactly it's just his his super shotgun aim is so good yeah yeah, his aim is, I mean, obviously he's one of the top players ever. Like, all of you guys have different assets and talents that you bring to the table. His specifically is like, wow, this guy's aim is fucking crazy. Like, Yeah. And then, I don't know, for you, it was just kind of like the whole package. Like, I felt like you weren't necessarily the best at any particular skill other than you just had all of them kind of at your disposal in a useful way. And watching you take that tournament, I mean, like, it was... That was crazy, man. You put fucking shut the whole show down, essentially. Yeah. And I assume you took that prize pool and uh, bought something nice for the Mrs. So. Yeah, I did. I definitely did. I bought some nice flowers. I bought her, like, I paid um, paid half of her uh, tattoo that she got last time. I'm also still um, thinking about what I should buy because I wanted to buy her some jewelry. But, you know, due to Corona and all that, I haven't been able to go to the stores much yet. So I haven't been able to buy something that I wanted for her yet. Mm -hmm. but uh it's still on my to-do list because i've kept some money aside that i'm definitely gonna spend for her because i wanted to buy her something you really nice because she deserves it but i mean about like the whole package that you said i kind of i kind of always practice my movement in maps because if you bump into a corner once 
I mean, that's a lot of time you lose, especially in doing with the fast movement you have, SR50 and all that. And where I actually learned all that from is another participant, Devastation. He, um, long, long, long ago, years ago, he wrote a Doom Bible with uh, everything about Deathmatch that he had learned and stuff. And to be honest, I just I just read through all that when I was a kid. And I'd, I'd been practicing my movement, my aim, my, my map knowledge, everything that like he wrote in there was the stuff that I practiced. And I do know there's some people who have crazy aim, but their movement is lacking to some extent that it allows somebody who moves better to be quicker and surprise them more. And surprising somebody in a duel is, is key. If you can't surprise someone, and they always know where you are, and they always see you coming. I mean, you can have as good aim as you want. They're going to pre-fire you. They're going to BFG you. They're going to snipe you from afar with a chain gun or with a shotgun, and you're always going to be losing that, that, that health that you need for the close-range SSG fights. And I do think that a lot of people often forget how to move in Doom, which is it's, it's really important. It looks stupid because, you know, you can only aim left and right you can't aim up and down so you think that movement isn't as important you think that aim is more important than movement is but i kind of argue with that all the time and i think i've proven quite a few times that movement is really important in a game because if you i mean i don't want to brag or anything but if you watch me move around some maps it's usually i just fluently go around the map and i'm just flowing through them like like it's nothing sometimes and that kind of saves me a lot of time usually. For example, if I want to get a BFG, I'll pick it up and I'll be gone in a second. It's not like I'm bumping into things and I'm messing up my movement, making myself an easy target. I'm just gone. And the enemy may be looking for me, but by the time he finds me, I've already blasted my first ball into the wall. And the tracers are coming out, so they have to watch out. And if they don't get out of the way, they're dead, you know? So that's kind of the element of surprise you have in Doom. And I kind of like the way that, that, that goes, you know. It's so much fun to just think about these things. It's second nature eventually because, I mean, honestly, if you've been playing for 15 years, you don't even think about what you're doing anymore. You just do it, you know. And that, that like, lowers your reaction time by a lot. Because when you're thinking about what you're going to do, first you have the thoughts and then you, like, perform whatever you were thinking about. But when you don't even think about it anymore, you just do it in an instant, right? So that saves you a lot of time. And yeah, it's just, I was really happy that in the end, all that practice that I had over the years paid off for me. I've talked ad nauseum about, you know, all of this stuff with, with Devastation. I mean, he's been on the show before and he'll be on again. Like he, I consider him a pretty great friend at this point. I talk to him probably every week, if not every two weeks. And yeah, like the, the Doom Bible is a great text and all of that. I, I understand that, but there, there's also just like an element of, I don't know, performance. Like you have to perform. So in my mind, and I think in many people's minds, like the the actual best Doom Two players are probably Devastation and Jakeist, right? Like I, that's not to disparage you. You're here, and I've already said I think you're the best, and I'll explain why. The Devastation is a strategic master. I mean, he comes from a oh, high yeah. level ch- chess background. He 
you know, has it just an analytical mind that his ability to explain why he does the things he does is unprecedented. And I think that's why people look up to him so much. It's, it's not yeah. just his performance, but it's his ability to explain how he performs and pass that on to other people. And also, he's just really kind and generous with that shit. Like I said, he, he wrote a public ebook on, on the subject. Yeah, I mean, Devastation is such a great guy. I've known him for so long now. Yeah. Me and him used to duel like a lot back in the day when Demon Sphere was still here with us. Aaron, I, I, I still miss that guy every day. I used to duel with him every time, every day, every night. I was on for hours on end with him just playing. Devastation would pop on, would play with us. He would play Quake with Demon Sphere. Man, Dev is such a great guy. He's so nice. He's so like how do you say this? He's so willing to help. He's so helpful. So he's Canadian. always Yeah, I mean where people try to keep their secrets of a game yeah. to keep themselves as the best player, Devastation doesn't give a single damn about that. He wants everybody to be better. He wants people to improve. He wants competition. He doesn't want to be just the best. He yeah. just wants to have everybody be like the best player they can be. I mean, he's such a great guy. And I mean, honestly, I think the only reason, the only reason he was not, like, he was not a winner during the Take the Crown was because recently, well, not recently anymore, but uh, a while back, he became a father, and he also told me about that, and I think that's basically, like, the thing that kept him from being at his best potential, because, you know, you have a lot of responsibilities in real life. I didn't have anything to do. I had loads of time on my hands. Langrunas had loads of time on his hands. Other players did. He obviously had a lot of real-life obligations that he had to take care of before he could even practice the game. So Yeah, he he came into the tournament untrained. Like, he was... I, I know for a fact he was, like, teaching, uh, like, kids' classes in chess or whatever, and then, like, rushing back to get onto the game to play against us yeah. and all that stuff. Because you are right, though. In my top, in my top five of best Doom players ever, I always kept Devastation on one. Then came Demon Sphere because of just how like his raw power in the game. There was like he was, he was undefeated, especially in his prime. Like he had some raw skill, some talent that was unseen. If he would shoot rockets in Dwango Five Map One through the armor window, and you'd be like, how, how? how can you react that fast that within an instant you can shoot a rocket through the window and SR-50 right past it like while jumping down if whenever I tried that I would hit it once and I'd kill myself 20 times that's just he was so talented Yeah. and yeah then you obviously have Jakist then you had Chain Dude and Chewy those were some really good players too back in the day it's just yeah I'm I'm proud to be where I'm at right now, but I don't think that I'll ever be like as how do I say this as as I mean I, I don't even have the words for it. <laughs> well, let's put it this way: I, I I have to defend my point of view, so I will. I I have my personal opinions about who I like and who I think are like talented in certain aspects or like the best players of all time. That's you know neither here nor there because we're we're approaching this now like the the take the crown series thing has really kind of stepped it up a notch we have money involved and we have like Bethesda's going to be streaming the Doom 2 tournament or the take the crown Doom 2 tournament at uh at QuakeCon at home 
and it's kind of having a while considerably small a real resurgence and it is meeting the public eye we got to treat it like it's a sport because it is and when you have you know it, boxing ufc any of these things yeah we could argue all day and long like oh connor's the best fighter blah 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 like who wears the who's got the belt who has the crown right now that's you so yeah. un- until that has been proven otherwise that will remain. It, that's just how I try to look at it. And you won, so therefore you wear the crown. You are the champion. And until someone proves that otherwise, on the on the grand stage, that will stand. Um. So yeah, I, we have all these great players. I, I, and like like I said earlier, everybody has their own like unique skills. Like uh, Cipher, right? He can run maps backwards. Like his movement is crazy. Maybe not strategically the best movement. I'm not sure. I'm not really. I'm not one of you guys. I'm not like a freakishly good player, and I'll never will be. But his his movement is absolutely mind blowing to watch as a fan. And we need all that stuff. But then when you get to the top level, you get to these grand finals where you're you know the money's on the line. You're able to perform you know you're able to block those betas or whatever it is you're doing over there and show up and keep a cool head and win that's what matters yeah you're right about that that's a fact i mean it is like i mean you're you're right about the fact that right now i'm still holding the crown i'm kind of not looking forward to the ffa tournament because honestly i i'm not that good in Otomex of issues I've previously mentioned but I'm also not the best deathmatch player I can hold my own but deathmatch isn't dual you know it's not as tactical as it is it's basically get the best gun as quick as you can and try to get as many frags as you can in one life Yeah, and spawns also play into that a lot because sometimes especially on Z Damon sometimes because that's where FFA is most prominent when I play free for all there, I can win by 30 frags and maybe 12 deaths. And then the next game, I can lose with seven frags and about you know, 35 deaths. Like it's, it's happened to me before. It's just, it's so random sometimes. And I mean, I'm, th- I'm still thinking about signing up because I, I still, I do want to like, I do want to play on, on stream with Bethesda, of course, because, you know, People are going to see me again, and it's going to be fun to like show what people what I can do. But I'm also kind of like scared of the fact that what if I mess up and I get some really bad scores, and people think like, "Wow, is he the guy that won the other take the crown tournament?" <laughs> well, that's, that's something to point out. Like, you were the best dueler. That I'll I'll give like a brief point of view from my side. I mostly play. Uh, Warfork these days if I play PvP at all because you know me I'm doing all these podcasts and playing through a lot of single player games and I love that it's it's not the most important thing in the world to be a great you know player to me but it definitely matters what mode you're playing for sure it's like he especially in something a little more complex like Warf Warsaw or Warfork um so like I'm not you you know the movement style in this game. I'm not good at that. Like I'm actually fucking terrible. Like really really <laughs> bad. And so when I play duel, there's a, a ceiling where like I'm a great. Uh, I should not say the word great. 
I'm a very competent dueler. Like I, I have lots of practice doing that. I've been doing it ever since I played Quake Three. I am good at item timing. I'm good at you know playing passively and baiting people and all that kind of stuff. My aim is terrible, and it always has been. But I can win duels by you know out strategizing a lot of people, not people at the top level by any means. But then uh, we played an FFA tournament, and like I was like, you know what, I'm going to play in the tournament. I, I'm going to let someone else cast and stream. And I want to play. And FFA is a totally different animal because I think I was like top three in that tournament. Not that this was amazing, but I was beating people, you know, in FFA that in duel would have destroyed me. Like absolutely beat the shit out of me up and down and all the way around. Or if it had been clan arena, I couldn't even move. Like I, <laughs> I'm worthless in clan arena. But <laughs> but when yeah. it comes to FFA, like it doesn't favor that. You're not you know moving around at the speed of light doesn't help you. It's all about just doing exactly what you're supposed to do and that's getting the most frags so what do you do you just play passively you sit around you watch people fuck up and get into like these big brawl fights and then you rain rockets down on them and they all die and then you get three kills and they did all the work for you so in that regard like yeah game mode totally matters because i'm a shitty everything else but i'm pretty damn good at ffa (laughs) yeah i feel you that's that's the same for me in warfork to be honest i mean dual nffa I can sort of hold my own because people aren't moving around at the speed of light and dashing like crazy. But come Clan Arena and War Fork, yeah, I, I I really just lose out a lot because people are so like they they're so crazy with the movement. They go around so fast. That's why I always preferred like the more original Quake Three Arena or Quake Live Clan Arena. That's more my favorite mode to play because I I have played loads of Clan Arena and Quake. Mm-hmm. Because I, I love that game mode. You just get all the weapons. I can use the LG as, as much as I want. I don't have to go and pick it up. I do play some FFA in, um, in Quake uh, Quake Live too. Because I, I love free-for-all in Quake. It's just so fun to time the items. Get the quad. Get the red armor. Uh, mega health. Get the LG. Get the rocket. Like Get the rail. Get the more important weapons. Learn how to play the maps. Like That's so much fun to me. But should- yeah, you're right. I should note that the uh, FFA tournament will have already happened by the time we air this podcast. But if you do play, I will put an addendum on where I'm like, eh, he won. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Or like might, he tried and he lost. He failed epically. <laughs> yeah, I might actually I might actually still sign up because I'm really hopeful. I've been trying to help out the Odomix developers as well by giving as much information as I can on the mouse input issues that I'm uh, perceiving. And I mean, if they, if, if it gets fixed before the game, which I highly doubt because, you know, they still have lives too. I obviously know that I cannot expect them to just go ahead and, and work uh, full time on the port just for me. Mm-hmm. But if it, if it does happen, that would be really awesome. Cause then, yeah, then I think I do have a pretty big chance of winning. Because I'm, I'm like, I have this issue. I don't know why, but I'm really, really hypersensitive to input lag and everything. I don't know how. I don't know why, but it's just like that. When I play a game and there's just like the slightest amount of input lag in the mouse, I instantly notice it, and it just, it kind of messes with my mind, and it makes me sort of like give up without giving up. You know, I still want to play, but mentally, in my subconscious, like mind. 
I've basically already given up. I've basically already told myself like, hey, man, you can't do this. You're not going to win. And I catch myself doing that every single time. But whenever I do, it's always too late for me to change it. And that kind of sucks. It's so interesting how different, you know, top level players of different games even like kind of talk about this kind of stuff. Because obviously you guys have, you know, a mind for the game that most people do not possess. and. So you're going to notice things that m- the vast majority of people either, you know, don't have a voice to complain about it or just it's not a factor to them because they're not even at the point where that's like, that's not my main hiccup. If I'm struggling to even, you know, learn how to strafe jump, the last thing I'm thinking about is like mouse input lag at like, you know, very small incremental bits. And like Devastation even, like, you know, he had trouble because he's not really a Zandronum player. And when he played in this Zandronum tournament that we had, it, it wasn't. Uh, you know, the net code was just not what he was used to. And for me, it's like, oh, this is dim. Huh, whatever. I don't, I, I don't even notice the difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I understand what that's like. Yeah. And Cause... go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, uh, and I've talked to, you know, quite a few different pro players from, you know, Quake and, and Doom and everything. And when I, when I talk to you guys, you all have like very different uh, thing, like little things that bother you or, you have these freaks of nature like Cygib. I'm not sure if you know who he is, but oh yeah, I know who he is. I actually played against him in um, in Diabotical yesterday. Nice. So you are playing. Di- we'll we'll go on a Diabotical tangent after this, then. Sure. And so he, like, I, I'm bringing up all of these like cited kind of these are issues with Quake champions that people point out, and like, does this bother you? And his point of view is like, I don't even fucking no. You just win. <laughs> you just do your best. You, you have the circumstances you're in. And you just deal with them, and then you win. And I'm like, okay, well, that's if that works for you, then cool. But it, it is funny how like the different personality types have different little hangups like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is a fact because there are some people who really don't care about all that stuff, and they're just like, hey, man, I'm here to win. Uh, whatever they throw at me, I'm just gonna get used to it. I'm gonna do my best, and if I lose, well, it's a loss. And if I win, you know. It paid off, you know. I did my best, and and my best was enough, you know. I, I mean, I do want to have that that mindset, but it's just sometimes. I mean, sometimes you go through a lot of stuff in real life, and that kind of works on how you think mm-hmm. during a game as well. And especially now during like these Corona times and everything, you have to worry about so much. I mean, if stuff like that gets to you easily, it's easier for you to just, you know, just give up on something without even realizing that you are. For example, if I was going through what Rafa's going through right now, I mean, God bless his soul and his girlfriends. I feel really bad for him. Yeah. It's it's really sad. I understand what he's going through as well. But, you know, it's it's just... Yeah, I mean, that stuff can really easily get to you. And yeah, I mean, I just I get I get kind of sad just thinking about all that stuff already because, you know, my mother's going through a lot of stuff, too. And it's not even a guarantee that she's going to make it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just going to stop talking about that before I end up with tears in my eyes. (laughs) But uh, yeah. I do. I, it, it is like it is also circumstantial, like the way you're thinking, the way your mindset is working that day. 
And your mindset, in my opinion, is one of the most important things in a game. Because you can be mechanically skilled all you want, but if you give up way too easily and you tilt way too fast, you're going to lose. You definitely will because you're just, you're, you're letting your mind get in the way of your actual like gaming skill, you know. It, it's, it's hard to explain, but subconsciously giving up is something you don't even realize, but it is something you do. And trying to work on that is really hard, in my opinion, because I definitely had some times when, you know, I was at my peak in my skill and I'd be winning games all week long. And then one day I'd be losing all of my games. And when I look back on that, it was always during a time when something bad happened in my life. And it's just that all these things give you stress and it starts weighing down on your shoulders over time and no matter how good you are how strong you are or how like strong-willed you are there's always going to be a time when you break and that's what i call that's that's how i view my bad days in gaming let's take like a like ronda rousey for example right she was on top of the world and could not lose and then as soon as she lost embarrassingly that yeah. was the end. That's the end of her professional fighting career, essentially. Exactly, it was and, over. Yeah, Mike Tyson. You know, he much longer streak. I mean, I don't think he ever really gave up. I think he just his body was kind of done. Honestly, like he went away for a while and came back, and but you couldn't convince him that he. Yeah, I, th- I feel like even now, if he were to step in the ring, you couldn't convince him that he's going to lose before the match. Like he's got that killer instinct that you have to have to be a champion. Yeah, and. That's that's really part of it, man. Like being in the right mindset, you got to float like a butterfly and sting like a bee, and not have anything question that. You can't have any crutch to lean on. It's very easy, like to say, "Oh, well, you know, something bad happened to me that day, or I didn't get enough practice, or whatever." And that that's all true for sure. There's no question about that. But if if you're not performing at the top level, then you just simply will not perform, and you're not going to win. It's it's so interesting, man. Like the mindset of a champion is something that most people will never really understand. That gladiator, I cannot yeah. lose, or because you know, for gladiators, it was literally life or death. It's like, yeah, I'm not exactly. Gonna lose because if I do, it means I'm going to die. And yeah, it's it's different, you know, especially in video like, to recreate that mindset in in a game is crazy to me. It's almost a different thing because like, you mentioned Rafa and. He has that mindset of like uh, total coolness. You know, you'll almost oh, yeah. never see him get tilted. He's very calm all the time. Just that, and I think that's his edge. Honestly, it's not. Look at his stats. He's not the best aimer. He's not the best item timer. He's not the best map controller. He's just able to change his strategy on the fly based on what his opponent's doing because he never gets like caught up in that rat race of like. Oh, he went fast, so I have to go fast. Like, no, this is like you, devastation. We talk about this too. I'm sure you could as well. Yeah. See so your opponent starting to speed up. You slow it down on him, or vice versa. Keep them guessing, and yeah. Rafa, you ne- almost never see him in a situation where the other person has the the mental control. Yeah, that's kind of what I did in the finals too, when I was playing the last map again, Peric. I was just trying to. When I noticed that Langrenus was getting more aggressive on me because he realized that playing it back was kind of punishing to him. Yeah. 
I started like pulling him around the map. I started moving all the way, like just around the map, not stay in one position all the time, but just run all the way to the back. Mm-hmm. Let him come to me. Because if I go like, for example, on Peric, I go to this super shotgun room where you have that green armor to you, like on the top to your left. There's only two ways he can be coming from. And it's almost always going to be the top top side because people always like consider like having the high ground as an advantage. So I always knew exactly where he was going to be coming from. And when I saw him from afar, I would just wait for him to line up with my crosshair and I'd shoot him. And almost nine times out of 10, I would be killing him with that. I think Zen also mentioned this during the stream. And it's definitely something that I do a lot. I try to like imagine myself as my opponent while I'm playing my opponent. Like, what would I be doing if I was him at this point in time? And I kind of try to use that against him. And it it does work a lot because if you look at Rafa, I mean, like you said, he's not the best in any of those places, but he is a damn good player. His aim is really on point. His movement is really on point. But it's just that strategizing that strategizing that he does. He's he's so smart. He's like devastation. Devastation has a super high IQ. He's so good at chess. His strategies are on point. And when he's playing the slow game on you, you can rush all you want. He's he's a hundred percent gonna screw you over. There's almost nothing you can do because he will outthink you on the fly, on the spot, every single time. That's just how smart he is. And if you start rushing him, I mean, basically, it's over. If you start playing it slower, you know, that's exactly what he wants because he has more patience than you. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of a losing battle, like in the mindset, in the mindset world. Like if you just, if you try to be smarter than Devastation, I mean, there might, there's probably some people in the world that can be, but Usually, like, the players that are here right now in Doom, if they try to outsmart Devastation, they're going to be burned really hard because he's just he's just that smart. He's just that good. He's that experienced. He has way more experience in all the maps than all of us combined. Well, not really combined, but all of us together. He's, he's just been around for that long. And if he had if he had time to practice at least two hours a day, he would have been a whole other monster that people would not have been prepared for. I don't know. It's so it's so different like, across the board. Like animal, yeah. right? Let's take animal for example. I, I believe it, during the time of this tournament, this was like kind of his. I'm done after this because I believe he was getting out of the army and kind of transitioning in life. It's kind of something you talk about too. Because I, I had animal for a shoe in. Like he's definitely going to be in the top five. And yeah, I don't know. He he is a weird strategy too. Man, his his name is so appropriate because he it, it does play like an animal. Super aggressive. Really fast-paced, badass motherfucker, and ah, God, all of you guys are so different. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like an '80s martial arts movie, like the blood sports. You know, where you have like, all right, we got the the Chinese guy who knows kung fu, and we've got the, the you know the street fighter guy from Brooklyn who's just a tough dude, and he's a like, kind of boxing style, and we've got the the dude with forearms. And then we've got uh, the the maniacal genius devastation who's created some kind of like robot suit to wear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and hey, you all got all of you guys get in the arena, and then we just see which which one of these strategies comes to the top. Yeah, it's really like that. We do have like we all have different styles of playing. 
And the craziest part about Animal always being so aggressive is the fact that he has really low sensitivity. His sensitivity is super low. Like he sent me videos on Facebook before where he's got his, um, where he's like being filmed from the side or behind and you see him moving his mouse. And when you see his mouse move and then see the game move, you're like, man, how are you doing that so fast? Like, can you explain to me how you're moving your mouse, like your arm that fast? Because he's playing super like fast paced. He he gets up in your face. He starts he starts blasting you. He does these one eighty turns, and then you see him like throwing his arm like off his desk almost <laughs> because he's just swinging the mouse that hard. And then he instantly goes like resets and bang. You hear his mouse go down, and he just keeps doing that. And his aim is so good as well. It's it's crazy how he can just keep up like that. Well, like, that I kind of admire that. Fatality and uh, Rocket Jump Ninja both play with inverted mouse. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. What the fuck? (laughs) I know, right? But I don't, it's so strange. Like, this is pure speculation, but to my knowledge, Animal was stationed somewhere up in Alaska. And I'm, Again, pure speculation. I'm imagining he's like on a laptop or some shit with a tiny mouse pad and then is required to play at a high sensitivity rate and that kind of helps him with the style. So smaller hand movement, uh, crazy aim, and he's going to be able to turn corners a lot easier than a lot of people are going to be able to. Obviously, that's, that comes with our our kind of general mindset of low sensitivity equals better aim, but maybe that plays into his style like that's why he's so aggressive because he has to move around a lot faster and he has to kind of stay on the ball in order to get around you i mean he can at a lower sensitivity right he could conceivably run up to you spin around and shoot you in the back before you have time to turn around all of that stuff plays in it's i mean we're kind of nerding out big time here but (laughs) yeah I guess that's why this podcast exists is for the nerdy people who give a shit about this kind of talk. But. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I hope so. I'm kind of like that. I'm always interested in hearing people's like thoughts about the game and how they view the game because obviously they have a different view than I do. I can tell you what I do in Doom and somebody else could be like, man, what are you even saying? I play Doom like this and it works because... There's not one style fits all. Never has been, never will be. And I think it's been proven time and time again, like in Quake, in Doom, Overwatch, any type of competitive game you see, there's always that one player who stands out and does something different than anybody else does. And he just shines and he does it so well that you think like, wow, this guy is superhuman. And there's always like different styles. There's not ever one other player who plays exactly the same as somebody else. Yeah. And I just I just like that about gaming. Like you're unique. Everybody's unique. You have your own style of playing. And I love that. I admire people who come up with some crazy stuff that I personally thought was impossible. But they pull it off. That that like just leaves room for improvement for everybody. Like infinitely you know games coming out like Fortnite, for example season one i played Fortnite. who would have ever thought that in season seven or eight everybody would be building like one by ones like crazy and and 
and be moving around like madmen. I just, who would have expected that? Nobody did, but somebody found out about it. Somebody applied that skill into the game. And eventually everybody started like making their own, like their own style of playing. And I, I just love that. Same with Quake. You have, you have the guys who hit 70% plus rail. You have the guys who hit 50 plus percent lightning gun. Or, or guys who hit mid-air rockets like, like it's nothing. And I'm just struggling to hit them on the floor at their feet, for example. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like You have so many different styles of playing. And you always have these guys who stand out. Take, for example, Toxic. I mean, nobody rivals his, his slash movement. It's, it's, it's insane. He moves around the map so fast. He knows perfectly how to crouch slide. And it's it's just it's awesome. I love the way I love the way these guys just make up their own style and and you know get their own nicknames like that. For example, Rafa, the Professor, like Toxic, the Terminator, and stuff. I mean, you know, it, it's it sounds so cheesy, but it's it's so badass in my mind because you know they did something crazy. They have some crazy play style that nobody can copy. And it gets a label, you know. It's just, it's just that awesome. I think that's important. That that's one of the few good marketing things that I think that they did, you know, for that game uh, in particular. Because yeah, <laughs> you know, like this idea of like putting your players up front, marketing your players, and showing them, and you know, for their talents, giving them these cheesy nicknames and everything. It, it makes it feel so much more, like I said, like an '80s movie, like where it's. This insane martial arts tournament where we have all these different people from different backgrounds. Like, take a man. What is this guy's name? Holy shit! There, there are some players in Quake Champions who specialize in like the weird champions that no one else is really good at, like Clutch or whatever. Oh and, yeah, you know, or or uh, what's the other one? The Strogan Peaker. Like these characters that are so unconventional to the nor- the normal quake player that they just throw you completely off guard and once you figure out how to master them you can absolutely catch people off guard they don't have any idea what even expect from it um i don't know it's so so bizarre to me how many different angles you can come at it Quick yeah, Champions exactly. was such a unique game in that it gave you, you know, you have people that can come from a CPMA background and check right in. Like, all right, I've got my two characters that I'm going to specialize in. Easy. You have people that are, you know, come from VQ3 style movement. Uh, obviously, there's plenty of options for that. But then they added uh, abilities, you know, they play into it a bit. Some characters more than others. Like uh, Aizen was a great addition because not only do you have to worry about Aizen, but you also have to worry about where's that fucking turret at. But then you have other characters that have like these kind of very straightforward abilities, like uh, you know, Sorlag just spits on you. That's yeah, that's true. That's why I like Quick Champions too, because I uh, actually am a fan of surfing in CS:GO, and mm. it's basically exactly the same movement as you get with Anarchy and uh, Sorlag. So, I mean, that was a good starting point for me. I've also played loads of Quake Three Clan Arena and Quake Live Clan Arena, so. I mean, I was familiar with the quake movement as well, like the strafe jumping. But uh, like, I did have to learn how to crouch slide, and I've been practicing it quite for like for quite a bit right now. I've been playing with Strog and Peeker and Slash, and I've actually been doing pretty good. 
been looking at how um, toxic goes around the maps and stuff, and I just try to like sort of do what he does. I also heard him mention once. I don't know if it's still a thing, but back then, when you like the higher you fall, like from the higher, like the higher the fall is, the more like like slide you get. I don't know how to explain it. You you slide longer. So that was also like that was also like some useful information. I've been looking up on some stuff on how to do all that stuff, and I mean it is hard to pick up on it, but if you just practice it for like a week. Yeah. You can definitely be like average, you know, and you can pick up like you can pick up the game real quick. You can you can start improving and stuff. It's just sad that I mean Quake Champions doesn't have that big of a player base cuz I do like the game though. I think it's a really good game. I think it's unfortunate because it's currently in the best playability state that it's ever been in. Uh also like just it does require quite a nice computer to really play. And I learned that lesson the $800 way. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's just kind of the ship has sailed, maybe. I, I really hate that. I, I, I never like to bash Quake Champions because I love the people behind it. I love it conceptually. I just think that I could go on forever. But the problem is that there, it's a game that primarily centers around duel and everything is balanced towards duel so when you get to a ctf match or something you know or clan arena whatever like they, they've struggled to get clan arena implemented ctf was a huge bomb and the reason for that is because the, all the champions have different movement styles in my opinion yeah like, people people have like other problems with the net code i'm not going to get into that because again i'm a shitty player and that shit doesn't matter to me as much but if you rail slash in the back or you rail anarchy in the back they just go faster. They're just going to run away with the flag. Oh, yeah. Not, and you can't chase them down with Aizen or with, you know, BJ or with any of the normal VQ3 style uh, players. Now, there's an argument to be made, like, why doesn't everybody just pick the best champions for the job? But it's, uh, on the casual fan base side, that is not going to happen. People will get comfortable. They just want to play and have fun. And it's not fun to just get ran over in those game modes these are the casual game modes that you know like your average two-bit guy off the street wants to sit down i just want to have a good time playing quake after work you know 40 hours and you're just you're not going to convince those people i mean yeah there's exactly. already such a huge barrier of entry to quake and to doom and to any game like this that convincing someone to spend their time on it when it's just such a pain in the ass to get into in the beginning like I've always said, like this attracts a very specific type of person. Even though we're all very diverse and we have our own backgrounds and different play styles, these are everybody who's good at Quake, everybody who's good at Doom is a some kind of a fucking psychopath who looks at something extremely difficult and decides I'm going to punish myself for hours and hours and hours to learn how to play this game and be Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how it is though. From the bottom to the top, all the way across. There's a lot of times when I just get so angry at Doom or Quake, for example. It's just, I sometimes I have these days where I'm just screaming at the game where I'm like, man, how the hell did that happen? What the actual fuck and stuff like that. And, you know, and then you have these days where you're super calm and you're like performing really well. It's it's kind of funny because you really are just like torturing yourself with with these games thinking like damn i just gotta learn all this stuff and i just want to be good at this 
like you said, it's the gladiator mindset. You just keep going. No matter how many times you get beat down, you just get back up and you just keep going. You just keep practicing. It's like like Fatality always used to say, just practice, 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 you know? (laughs) You just practice. You just keep going. You just keep practicing, basically. He's a very strange guy. I need to get him on the show sometime. He he just like... There's a recent interview with him and he still has that just... I can't lose mindset sort of thing. Like, yeah, you know, he, he comes at it like from I'm the best and everyone else can't compete with me. And that's just his mindset from top to bottom. He, there's no getting in his head and telling him like, I don't know if you can pull it off, even though he doesn't really, you know, he's not playing at the top level anymore and probably never will again. I think he's kind of, you know, retired rightly. So he should have, that's the right career move because he's marketing his brand now. And that's how he makes his money and he can just have fun and do what he wants. But I would, I'm really interested in, again, that, that champion mindset. Like, why, why do you think this way? What happened to you? You know? Actually, I just, I don't know. I actually, I, I just don't know. I used to play as a kid on Doom. Yeah. And eventually I just, yeah, eventually, eventually it just came to me. It was like, I'm going to win. I want to be good. I want people to look at me and see somebody who's good at the game. Because, you know, like when I was younger, people used to just make fun of me because I was like the young guy playing the game. And here we go. Here we go. Yeah. So it's kind of like you're getting sort of made fun of. Right. And basically, I was always the type of guy like, if you make fun of me, I'm going to prove you wrong. Guarantee you that I'm going to prove you wrong. It doesn't matter how long it takes, but I will show you that I am better than what you say that I am. And you just keep fighting back and and like a lot of trash talk comes into play. And, you know, I loved it when people used to talk trash to me because that was my motivation. They would tell me that I'm a shitty player. I would practice a couple months later. I would beat them and I'd be like, hey, man, look what I am now. Now you're the shitty player. Now come at me. You know, it's just it's just that like that that warrior mindset. You just. You just don't want to give up. You want to prove people wrong. You want to show them that you're more than what they think you are. And yeah, I guess that's just kind of what it is for me. Wanting to prove to people that I'm actually just not what they think I am. Were you like hyper competitive as a kid too? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, you don't want to know how many times my parents struggled with me just punching my desk when I lost the game. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I remember punching a hole in the wall once when I was about 15 years old or 16 years old because I lost um, I lost the game. It was it was some tough times growing up because I used to get like I had anger issues and stuff as well. So, yeah, <laughs> it was really tough. Where does that but, come uh, from, do you think? What? Where does that come from? I actually have no idea. I've had it ever since I was a little kid. I had seen child psychologists when I was about like from my four to about 12 to 13 years old. And yeah, I had to work on my anger management a lot. I don't know what it was. I think it was just, yeah, like I, I was, um, they said I had ADHD. They wanted me to take pills like a uh, relatine. I don't know if you know what that is. It's kind of like Ritalin or uh, Vyvanse in the United States, I assume. Yeah, it just calms you down. It makes you like, it just puts you in like a really, really calm state. But my, gladly, I'm really happy that my mom always denied it. 
because you know you get kind of addicted to that stuff you feel like you need it and i don't want to be like that i don't take i don't take many like pills at all i don't take any medicine even if i'm having like a serious headache or i'm feeling really bad i usually refuse to take any medication like until i can't until i can't take it anymore but it's only gone a few times. Like I've only like had a few times where I was like, damn, I just can't take this headache anymore. Like it's impossible for me to, like, and then I, then I take like, uh, then I take something like a Sinutab or something. That's how it's called in Belgium, like some sort of special stuff. And it, it like, it calms your head. It makes you like calmer. Like it lowers like the pain of your headache because I have migraine running in my family, which is, kind of shitty (laughs) but you get used to that stuff do you drink i don't actually i don't drink or anything i don't do any drugs i i mean i'm an athlete basically like right i work out a lot so i try to like never drink ever what's your athletic background um i did karate when i was four to six years old then i quit that and the next sport i did was basketball from like nine to twelve mm-hmm. then i quit playing basketball but i did go out like swimming a lot i went swimming every every week at least uh twice or three times and eventually when i was 15 years old i think about no, first when I was 14 or 13 to 14 years old, I used to watch a lot of movies on a video recorder that I like had on my room, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, my parents didn't want to give me a computer with internet on my room because I wouldn't go to sleep ever because I'd be playing too much Doom. <laughs> so they gave me like some movies to watch. I used to watch like The Terminator, um, Rocky and stuff. And I got into bodybuilding that way. I kind of just started doing push-ups on my room. I, I got some weights that I was like training with at around age 15 i went to the gym for the first time have been going ever since i had my breaks due to injuries and stuff that i had like non like not gym related injuries though i never got an injury in the gym but just stuff that i like had happened to me like falling off my bike and and breaking something and stuff like that and uh yeah i've basically been working out as a bodybuilder ever since i was 15 years old and i still am obviously i'm looking really bad due to corona because <laughs> the gyms are all closed so i have to improvise with the stuff i'm doing but uh yeah i've always been kind of like athletic i've always been doing stuff like trying to practice backflips and like front flips and all that stuff but uh yeah i've always been trying to like keep my my physical health up there i've always like tried to stay as fit as i can be eat as clean as possible obviously i do eat some pizza from now and then like it's not like i i mean you know you gotta live your life you gotta eat the tasty stuff as well you know i'm not a pro bodybuilder i don't want to look ripped 24 7 i don't mind if i get a little bit fat i mean i can work it out anyway if i want to but uh i do think that kind of helped me in gaming as well just like overall working on my muscles because it gives you a good feeling and whenever you go to the gym your brain obviously gets like more oxygen in it because the blood gets running in your body 
So you're able to think more clear as well. And I like that does help me stay calm a lot when I'm playing games. When I have come from a good workout and I go play some games, I'm usually a lot more calm than when I have my rest days, you know? There's a lot of this can kind of play into kind of the diversity because gamers are so diverse in this aspect. I think from what I can tell, just in my anecdotal studies here, a lot of the best players are you know like they do have if if they're not athlete athletes they at least like very much value their physical health and working out and everything and then you have these other guys that are like <laughs> kind of just chunky fat boys that just never leave their computer and kind of beat their head against the wall until they become good <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's so it's so weird uh how that plays in i i definitely agree with you like for me personally like my physical health is paramount like i run all the time i do drink don't get me wrong (laughs) i love drinking but (laughs) i uh i very much value like i to put it into perspective i i came out of high school i was pretty fucking skinny pretty much my whole life and then i got deeply into pro wrestling when i was about 17 and made it my mission to get you know fucking big like because i all i wanted to do was like compete in wrestling and in order to be successful in pro wrestling you do have to at least look intimidating and i did not so i made it my mission to just like i'm in the gym every day like i'm working out always lifting weights always working on my cardio everything uh, eating fuck uh, i eat a whole thing of peanut butter in a day i'd get out of gym class and crush two peanut butter sandwiches and then go back to the gym like i was crazy and <laughs> I got really fucking big, and I stayed that way until I was about 20 years old, and I retired myself from the pro wrestling uh, industry, period, from an injury that I obtained from a steel chair accident. Oh. And, and I, that was a kind of a minds, uh, mindset-changing moment for me, because I, I went from kind of being obsessed with this one goal for so long, and I had a huge just change in my life. I settled down with uh, my now wife, and... You know, got a real job, moved away and everything, and I just stopped valuing that. And I, I've transitioned from then into a much more of like a yoga running person. <laughs> like, I like to just feel good. I'm not focused on like any particular body style. I just do what I have to do in order to kind of keep that my body feels good and I feel like I look good when I look in the mirror kind of mindset. But Yeah, I feel you. That's how I feel too right now. Yeah, just wanting to look good because you know I don't want to be a pro bodybuilder. Obviously, I just want to feel good about myself. You know, and that's it. Do you want to talk about diabolical now? Sure, I got, I, I got some time. What's your thoughts? honestly? I think it's a really great game. I really think it is. I love it. I love it the way it is. It's just like the lightning gun was a little bit powerful compared to other like titles like it. Because the last stress test, I think last week, was pretty crazy. You would be like, you would get hit by the lightning gun and it would push you back so hard that it was kind of like whoever got the best accuracy in the first one second or two seconds would just push the other player back so hard that his aim would be thrown off. And this week it's been it's been different because I've gone from hitting about thirty percent LG last week to around forty one this week, and I don't think my aim improved that much in a week. So I think they definitely did change something up. 
because a lot of people were complaining about the lightning gun being too overpowering. But uh, I love I love the game the way it is. I've been playing a lot of two v two arena, some wipeout. I've played some instagib. I do think instagib is kind of strange because it's a projectile bow. But you know, it's it's something new. It's not the same old same old rail where you just shoot people from across the map. You actually have to have some prediction. Like there's a lot more thought going into it. Mm-hmm. I do kind of like that. I like the way it's going. I like the way the game is going right now. And I hope that the open beta is coming out soon so I can start grinding the game because I really want to get good at it. I've been saying this for a while. I'm probably going to end up retiring from Doom if Diabotical kicks off well and grind that. It'd be really amazing to see you fly to the top of the Diabotical tournament scene or some shit, if it's possible. I, I hope that I can. I, I feel like, because I played a little bit yesterday, and just kind of like mulling around on the discords and talking to different people, I I feel like by the time this conversation is public, we're going to have an, if not already an open beta, I think that we will have a date for open beta. Because it, it seems like what they're doing right now is they're stress testing, they've made a lot of changes, they're going to make the improvements they need to make, and then as soon as they've got that squared away, I don't see why they wouldn't just go straight to open beta. Um, yeah, exactly. I don't know, the LG thing is is weird for me. I, it always annoys the shit out of me when I'm playing with people and they're like, oh, I fucking hate the blah 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 weapon in this game, or this or that. I'm like, well just, you know, I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, like, just use that weapon. <laughs> if you think it's overpowered, you should be using it. You know? Exactly. That's how and, I view it too. <laughs> yeah, play play the fucking meta, but it's that's part of it. I do love the, you know, I, very refreshing after Quake Champions because I much prefer everybody not have powers and just be on an yeah. even playing ground. And exactly. another thing that's amazing about Diabolical is that because I really truly have always only cared about duel, and this game has really ignited like a team play mindset for me. I really enjoy two v two arena a lot. Oh yeah, it's so fun. It's like it's so much fun. I love it. I mean, I will I will obviously give my feedback on weapons because, as you said, it gets kind of annoying when people complain about guns. I don't like it when people do that either because I just think like, hey, man, if this guy's like beating you with that weapon, why aren't you getting good with it? Why don't you practice that weapon? You know, if he can beat you with it, that doesn't mean the gun is overpowered only to you. Yeah. That means you can actually utilize it that way as well if you just practice using that weapon that means that guy was just smarter than you at that point basically he decided like hey this weapon is super powerful i'm gonna practice this weapon but i will i will give my like input on it i won't care if somebody overpowers me with it because you know as i said i always think to myself hey man you just watch me one day i'm gonna do whatever you did to me to you you know I'll I'll beat you with this weapon and I make it my goal. <laughs> but uh you know, sometimes when you notice something is a little bit like out of hand, the only thing I can do as a player is tell the developer. And whatever they do with it is like that's their job, that's their their decision, and I won't judge because I love the game. If one one gun that is powerful it doesn't matter to me because you know i come from a game where the ssg is the most overpowered thing there is nothing can beat the super shotgun up close except for a bfg but not all maps have bfgs 
So let's say, for example, somebody has a shotgun or a chain gun and I'm close by, they're dead. They will never beat me with that weapon ever unless they get the lucky, uh, lucky, lucky 100 damage shot with the shotgun. But that hardly ever happens. In the 15 years that I've played, I've only killed somebody once with 100 HP in one shotgun shot. Once in 15 years. It's just, you know, I come from a game where that stuff is normal, so I don't care. But you do re- you do notice that a lot of people uh, like in chat sometimes say like, oh, the LG is OP or, or oh, oh, this gun is OP. I mean, I think it's childish because basically when you call something overpowered, you're just admitting that you're bad at it and that's it. Because, I mean, it's overpowered, maybe. Sure, it can be. I don't mind. But you can get good with it. And you can overpower the guy that's overpowering you with enough practice. And that's the whole point of a game. Should be proactive instead of reactive. Exactly. Kind of always my mindset. Like that's, that's like the whole point of a game. Something's going to overpower you, regardless of whatever they change. If they nerf the LG, the rockets are probably going to be overpowered. And then what's going to happen? You're going to complain about the rockets until they make the projectile so slow you can just... Watch him come at you, and at the very last millisecond, you can walk to the left, and it'll just go past you in slow motion. I mean, you know, the game is good as it is. Okay, they can do a little bit, like, tweaking here and there, but that's why they have betas. You know, they they do the stress testing thing, they do the closed betas, they do the open betas, because stuff is subject to change. And I think a lot of people forget that. Because they go on to the Reddit forums and all that, and they just say, oh, this game's going to die. This gun is overpowered. This game is hopeless and stuff. I mean, brother, let's be honest. It's, it's, it's a beta. You're supposed to give constructive, criti- constructive criticism, not tell like the developer his game is doomed because he's trying new things. You know, <laughs> A lot of people seem to forget that because I've seen a lot of hate posts on Diabolical 2 lately, and I just think to myself, like, come on, man. These guys are making a game for you. Not for them. They're making it for you. That's what the beta is for. That's why James has been changing so much in the game. Because a lot has changed since the last like since the last closed beta. It, like they did change a lot of stuff. So I don't see why people are complaining like that. And like you said, it does it is kind of annoying. But you know, people are people and everybody is entitled to their own opinion. I won't be judging them. I will have my opinion about how they like voice theirs, but I'm not going to tell them that they're wrong, you know, because it's their opinion. And an opinion in the end is just an opinion and not a fact. But uh, I do think Diabotical is going to be going to be great. I'm definitely going to be playing it a lot. Played the betas. I loved it. Really, really loved that game. So, yeah. It almost makes me miss the good old days when, because now we have open betas and you know early access and all this kind of shit, and people cry and whine and complain, and they're like, "I want this changed, I want that changed." I'm. It almost makes me miss back when you get what you get. Here's the game. It's done. See it exactly. See it it for Unreal Two, <laughs> four years from now or whatever. Exactly. Just, that I don't know, man. It it's so weird. People just. Fucking like, I don't want to say it, people just want to bitch and complain. Like they they feel like you know they have a voice and their voice deserves to be heard. It's kind of a generational thing, I think. 
And and now that you've we've opened up this Pandora's box of like you do get to complain and then they will change things or they can and it will happen all the time. Yeah. Uh, it is interesting to see how people react to that. Yeah, but there is a positive side to all that, mm-hmm. and that is the fact that games are ever changing these days. It's not like you're gonna be playing the same game for twenty years anymore, like we're doing with Doom and Quake Three. You do get meta changes. I do like that because that puts some diversity into the game and that keeps people practicing. That keeps people like trying to get better, you know, because just always playing the same game. Eventually, there's going to be a skill ceiling and that cap is going to be reached. And it's all just going to come down to who can be the most consistent, you know. And it will all that will always be a thing. But I do like changes in the meta. Like, for example, in Overwatch, different heroes. It is it is fun. I, I do like that, to be honest. I mean, it's... It, always, there's going to be two sides to every coin. And... Yeah, exactly. that's good, but then you end up in these situations where, like... I mean, Quake Champions is the, in my mind, like the ultimate example of where, you know, they, they change a character and then that, boom, that character's gone. Or, you know, the person who specializes in that character has to completely, like, rebuild their way that they play in order to compete. Now, that's fun. I do like seeing people kind of have to rise to the challenge. But people want to depend on something, I guess. You know, they want to be able to, like, I can dependably, you know, use my style in this way. Now, in order to compete at the highest level and make money, I do agree. You've got to be able to adapt. That's for sure. Yeah. And you uh, you have these tournaments that are, like, they happen right after a big update that fundamentally changes something about the game and everybody's just kind of thrown off by it. Yeah, I do. That That's something Quake Champions did indeed do. And that is something I do not kind of agree on because you mean, I mean, you have people practicing for months for that specific tournament. And then just right before it, they make some change that basically throws all of that practice into the water. It's like, Hey man, you're just gonna have to deal with it. <laughs> like, imagine like, you're you're training for a, a tournament that you knew was gonna be on Zandronum, right? And then the day before the tournament, they make a change that makes the input lag a little bit more like Odomex. Oh yeah, that would con- that would really piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> and that I would could happen. That could that. totally happen in these games. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would get used to it because I've been practicing for that long, but. I would really be pissed off because, you know, why would you do that just right before a game begins? At least wait until after the like the tournament is over when you're implementing changes so people can practice with those changes for the next tournament. And a lot that of times is, they'll give pro players like the, the build early, I think, too, to kind of get them an idea of what to expect. But Yeah, that would be... That would be, I don't know, I don't know if they did that. That would be really cool if they did. Because that would be like a nice gesture from them. But uh, yeah, I, I would actually like it that way then. Yeah, that would be, that would make the most sense to me for them to do that. I don't really think I have too much else that I wanted to pick your brain on, man. Any uh kind of closing thoughts to people out there, new players, any shout outs you want to make? Um, 
when it comes to shout outs, I definitely have to shout out to Devastation for writing your Doom Bible and getting me to where I am. Even if he didn't realize he did it, he did because, I mean, he's an awesome guy. I want to thank him a lot for all the stuff he wrote down, which I could practice with. Then Ghost Killer for practicing with me for the Take the Crown tournament. And basically anybody else that was in Take the Crown, I want to like shout out to all of them because, I mean, I want to thank everybody for actually playing my favorite game with me. You know, I love this game. I love it to death. I always will. And I'm really thankful that I got to play in a tournament. Really big just shout out from my end to Human Bones and, and the whole multiplayer Doom Federation for oh yeah make, making million dollar moves over here. Like not really million dollar moves, but defi- <laughs> definitely doing the work to make competitive Doom, you know, fun, first of all, like a healthy, fun community with nice people to talk to you. And also, you know, keeping the games consistent and especially uh doing the work to get this on a bigger stage again. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I kind of forgot about those people. Yeah, definitely. They they kind of made it all happen. So I'm definitely indebted to them. Because, you know, they, they just keep the game going. They're the ones that are keeping it alive. You know, they keep the competition alive. And they're working their asses off to do that, even when it's not their actual job, when they don't even make any money from it. So I do deeply appreciate that. Well... I hope you just do end up playing in the FFA tournament, but even if you don't, I'll love you either way. Um, but if you do, best of luck to you, brother. And I'll report the results right after the music plays. <laughs> Thanks, man. Take care. Take care. Denzoa did not end up playing in the Doom 2 FFA tournament, obviously. Uh, what he did instead was actually help co-cast with me in the uh, B stages on Saturday. That was awesome as hell. So you can go back and uh, check out the VOD. I'll have it on YouTube and all that good shit. I'm going to try to compile all of the uh, tournament videos for Doom 2 from QuakeCon this year. So that'll be there for you. But yeah, thank you very much to Denzoa for being on the show. Uh, thank you Big thank you to Igrak Simon for this awesome music that you're hearing in the background here. This uh, is his Doom medley that I, you know, took a bunch of his midis and compiled into what, if you ever tune into our Doom tournaments, like this is what you'll hear playing in the background. So I hope you're enjoying that. Check him out on Newgrounds. That would be a good start. I'll have a link somewhere in the episode notes for you. Thank you to all of our supporters and people who are listening. Obviously, the best way you can support the show is to tell other people that you listen to it and encourage them to do the same. But uh, everybody who's donated through Patreon, PayPal, uh, we have a Venmo now, um, whatever it was, however you did it, buy some merch, go to inthekeep.com forward slash support or forward slash merch. Whatever you got to do, we appreciate that shit very much. Be sure to tune in for Realms Deep 2020 saturday 5th and 6th of september it's gonna be one hell of a fucking party guys sponsored by monster energy it just feels good to say that it's like, mm. i wish we could say BoomerCon, sponsored by boomer juice but anyway till next time y'all stay in the keep <laughs>